If you're like me, you care about getting the most from your workouts, which means wearing the finest performance gear. You know, fabric that dries quickly and has superior moisture wicking properties. Fabric so soft and comfortable, you could, well, curl up and sleep in it. Introducing Sheeks, spelled S-H-E-E-X, the world's first performance bedding line. Sheeks began when two former elite athletes and coaches had an aha moment, combining everything we love about quality performance fabric with everything we love about comfortable, irresistible bedding. Unlike traditional sheets that trap heat, sheiks are breathable, so you aren't constantly waking up to throw off covers or out a blanket. So you sleep deeper, longer, and better. And sheiks bedding looks as good as it feels. Colors and styles that can match any decor at a price that will pleasantly surprise you. And right now, you can try sheiks for 30 nights risk-free. Just go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com, 1212. This is our number two here on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. My name is John Ziegler. You're listening to the nationally syndicated radio program where each Sunday we provide you with an honest and independent view of the news of the week from a conservative perspective, something which is exceedingly and increasingly rare in this new era of Donald Trump. This is hour number two of three hours, and we're going to be doing something a little bit differently uh, for the rest of the program, giving you the opportunity to literally ask John anything. For those of you who have never heard of the segment Ask John Anything, which has quite a remarkable history, including resulting in one of my more high-profile firings and a lawsuit, which I ended up winning when I was in Louisville, Kentucky at WHAS in Louisville, one of the radio stations which broadcasts the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Uh, if Even if you're unaware of Ask John Anything, uh, you can still participate, and I urge you to do so, and here's how you do it. Just ask me any question at all, whether it's relevant to the news, this program, me, curious about something, as long as it's not an imponderable or something inappropriate, I will give you a no BS, totally honest answer. And I will do my very best to get to each and every one of the inquiries. You can ask the question basically three ways uh, via my Twitter feed on my Facebook page, which is open to the public or my email, which you can find at freespeechbroadcasting.com. That's www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. Before we get to the uh, the questions, and and frankly, this will kill a couple birds with one stone because I'm quite sure that there are a lot of questions regarding this subject, and I'm happy to answer all of them that they maintain themselves after I discuss this. But I'm going to start this hour by talking about why it is that Leah Brandon is not on the program. For those who have ever heard this program before, for the last two-plus years, it's been known as the John and Leah Show, and Leah Brandon has been my co-host. That was the case in up until about uh, this time last week, as a matter of fact. In fact, at this time last week, I still thought this was the John and Leah show with Leah Brandon as my co-host. Before I explain what actually transpired, let me give a little bit of context and backdrop. Leah Brandon and I have a very long history. We worked together at KFI in Los Angeles. We started working together back in 2004. Worked together for several years there as 
I was the evening host. She was the news person. But effectively, she was kind of my co-host for much of the time there. And it was a very unique relationship, very much like a a brother-sister type of situation. I uh, helped her purchase one of her horses in a rescue mission. Uh, She and I have had a lot of interaction off the air where we've tried to help each other. She attended my wedding. Uh, She came to my house just a couple of weeks ago when she was in California to go to the Breeders' Cup horse races. And uh, she got along great with my little four-year-old daughter, Grace. They took pictures together. And I thought that was really a critical moment for the relationship because it was obvious to anyone who had been listening to this program that we had become strained on the air largely over our differing opinions of Donald Trump and his presidential candidacy. And it was very obvious to me that a couple of things were transpiring because I like disagreement, especially if it's based in substance. And I thought it was incredibly important that Leah represented a very large portion of the talk radio audience who was gung-ho about Donald Trump. And we, you know, heated discussion, especially when it's real as opposed to fabricated or fake, can be very compelling. And everything about this show is real. The good, the bad, and the ugly, we let it all hang out, for better or for worse. Hopefully for the better for the listener. And it was obvious that Leah and I had gotten into a lot of very heated exchanges. A couple times I apologized to her on the air. I don't recall her ever apologizing to me, and I think there were a couple times in which she should have, but I've got pretty thick skin, so whatever, fine. It, that's just what happens. All is fair in love and war. And, you know, things happen on the air. If it's going to be real, you got to, you know, sometimes things are going to go over the line. That's just the price you got to pay. So I was more concerned about the fact that we maintain a positive, productive working relationship on the air. And when the election was over and we had just, seen each other really for the first time in a couple of years. And in retrospect, it's now obvious that one of the many things that has facilitated this problem is that while we were still in contact, we hadn't seen each other more than, I don't know, five times in the last eight or nine years. And one of those was at my wedding, which doesn't really count very much. So that takes its toll. And it especially takes its toll when you're living in two entirely different portions of the country. And you're in the middle of this very heated campaign where it's very obvious that the people around her had an exceedingly different perspective on Donald Trump in this election than, for instance, I did. And it's my opinion, and this is not based upon pure conjecture, but it's based upon things that I've been told by her and others, that it's very obvious that the audience in Alabama where she was was filling her head with ideas that I had been unfair to her on the air, which I think is utter balderdash. I think I was exceedingly fair. The one or two times in which I was not, I immediately apologized to her, both on and off the air. And so the idea that I was somehow unfair or bullying or whatever words they wanted to use is, is in my mind, flat-out false. But it's It's an absolutely natural reaction for a Trump supporter who hates what I'm saying to be able to come to on their own to help them rationalize their own position. In other words, 
I don't like what Ziggler's saying, so I'm going to hate on Ziggler. And obviously, if he's getting the better of Leah on a particular argument, it's because he's a bully. And when she's living in an area which is super gung-ho on Donald Trump and people are filling her head with those ideas, that has an impact. That erodes trust. It starts to, there starts to be a, a bit of a brainwashing going on. And make no mistake, in, in my view, the entire Donald Trump phenomenon is in part a brainwashing. You either have the disease or you don't. And for much of this campaign, Leah did not have that, what I perceived to be a disease. And then she slowly started to get it. And then, wow, I mean, she went, she got it full bore. But I was still full. I was fine with that. In fact, again, I thought there were elements of that that was that were good, and that when we saw each other in person and did the show in person just before the election, I thought, okay, cool. We got through the worst of this. This is going to be fine. We're going to be okay. We saw each other. It was a good uh, interaction. She saw my daughter. I drove her to and from the station. It was all good. And then the election happened, and she got her way, and she won, and. I fully acknowledge I was wrong. She was right. I thought, fantastic. You know what? This is, this is, we've gotten through the worst of the storm and it's all going to be good and we can move on and make this a productive relationship on and off the air. Well, then a perfect storm transpired and that's what happened last week. And when we come back, I'll explain that and where we go from, from that as well as we'll start Ask John Anything. So if you have a question you want to ask me of any sort that's appropriate for air, feel free to do so via my Twitter, Facebook, or email, which you can find at freespeechbroadcasting.com. My name is John Ziegler. This is the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. My name is John Ziegler. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. And if you go to freespeechbroadcasting.com, you can ask me any question you want because we're doing Ask John Anything. Uh, And if you go to freespeechbroadcasting.com, you can check out either my Twitter feed, Facebook, or email to ask me any question uh, that uh, you're curious about as long as it's substantive and appropriate and not some sort of ridiculousness or imponderable. I'll do my best to answer it. I'm sure a lot of those questions will have to do with what happened with regard to Leah Brandon, which is why I'm addressing that right up front. If there are lingering questions after I'm done with that, I'm happy to answer them. But the as I said in the last segment, we had had a, a series of troubling episodes on the air for the last several months, which I thought we were past because the election was over. Trump had won. We had just seen each other, had a very good visit. First time we saw each other in two years after having co-hosted this show together for just over two years. And then last week, the way in which we connect this program from Southern California to Alabama, where Leah Brandon lives, was changed from an older system to a newer system. Now, I am someone who is inherently distrustful of human beings of all sorts. I think most people are stupid, incompetent, cowardly. I am distrustful of technology. I don't like change, especially when there's no specific purpose for the change, because oftentimes 
The only thing that can happen when you change everything is something can go wrong. Like my wife is constantly on me to change our the way we set up our living room and all of the television contraption and what have you. And I'm thinking, even if everything goes perfectly, there's no real benefit to this. And all sorts of things can go wrong, both in the short run and the long run. Well, this is a similar deal. So I had a suspicion that something might go wrong. And so I had texted... I've been emailed by the people on our side saying everything's cool. And I had texted Leah and said, are you sure everything's cool with this? Has this been tested out? Are we good? Are you on top of this? Yeah, 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 sure, no problem. So minutes before we go to air last week, we don't have Leah Brandon. The new system is not working or for some reason we're not here. She's hearing us. We're not hearing her. And I'm told, and that, you know, like everything, in media, when something goes wrong, no one will tell you the truth. So I don't know what's true and what's not, but I was told definitively that the old system was no longer workable. So therefore, the new system's not working. The old system has been dismantled. Therefore, we're not going to have Leah Brandon. Now, this would be upsetting under normal circumstances, but you have to understand from my perspective, I'm paying Leah to make sure this is taken care of. I'm paying the station from where she does the program for the studio time so that it's this is taken care of. And within a couple of minutes' time, I have to make a complete change to everything. This is not a situation where we, do, we, don't, we are not capable of doing listener phone calls up until this tonight. I thought we were capable of doing interview phone calls. But this has never been a listener phone call show. So it's, this is not like some other national radio show that, you know, they just come in take phone calls all night or day or whatever it is and be done with it. We don't do that. We almost never do guests. You can't do guests at the last second because you can't book them, even if we could put them on the air. You can't take phone calls. So now I'm going from a three-hour show with a co-host who has a series of sound bites that she'll be playing from Alabama, as well as news reports that she'll be providing from Alabama, to nothing. And actually, even worse than that, I'm not even 100% sure what the situation is. Because in this case, not knowing is actually way worse than knowing. So, and this is all minutes before the show. So can you imagine you're responsible for doing a three-hour non-scripted live radio show, and all of a sudden, by the way, you don't have your co-host. You don't have anything. You don't have phone calls. Good luck. Now, I'm capable of doing that. Most radio hosts would have just quit and said, you know what, let's run a best of, whatever. That's not my style. It's not what I do. But I was pissed. I mean, I was I was absolutely furious for a, a whole bunch of reasons. I mean, and I'll be the first to admit that when it came to, you know, my level of of anger, I was... These go to 11. You know, that, I was definitely... These go to 11. I was at an 11. No question about it. And I called Leah, and I was pissed. Now, did I say anything inappropriate to her? No. And because I thought we had a brother-sister relationship that had been going on for 12 years off the air, those are the types of things that happen. It's different when you're dealing with a family member than if you're dealing with somebody that you barely know. So I absolutely was ticked off. Didn't blame her. Wanted to know what the hell was going on. And by the way, she hung up on me. Gave no explanation, just hung up on me after only a few seconds. So I don't know how much I could have said in a few seconds. 
So then I do the first segment, not knowing what, where the hell to go with the show. During the commercial break, all of a sudden, Leah's voice appears in the control room. Apparently, somebody in Alabama had finally figured out what they should have figured out a long time ago, which I had been told was taken care of, but that was not accurate. So off the air, I said, Leah, do you want to come on the air? She said, yes, just don't blame me for what happened. I knew I was in a no-win situation at that moment because I knew if I didn't put her on, she'd be pissed and the rest of the show would suck. And if I did put her on, it was going to be a disaster because I know Leah Brandon. Well, when we come back, I'll explain what did happen when I put her on the air last week and where she is now and where we go with this program from here. And then eventually we'll get to Ask John Anything. Ask me anything you want via Twitter, Facebook, or our website, freespeechbroadcasting.com. Welcome back. This is the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. My name is John Ziegler. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. Go there if you want to ask me a question for Ask John Anything via my Twitter, Facebook, or email. Again, that's freespeechbroadcasting.com. I'll get to your direct questions probably in the next segment and throughout the third hour of the program for sure. But I want to finish up the story from last week and why it is that uh, Leah Brandon, who has been my co-host on this program for over two years, is no longer with the show. For those uh, who missed it, we had a major technical catastrophe at the beginning of last week's show, which I've already gotten into. Because the way things work in media, when things go wrong, no one ever tells you what really transpired because everyone's a gutless coward. No one wants to take a responsibility. People are horrendous in general. You know, homo sapiens are a bad species, but media people are the worst of that species. And so I'm still not 100% sure what transpired. It appears as if there were mistakes made on both the Los Angeles and the Alabama end. The Alabama end was not properly prepared for the transition to the new technology, as I have been promised by Leah that they were. And our side had stupidly disconnected the prior way that we had done the show, I guess in an overly optimistic viewpoint that the old technology would not be needed since we were going with the new technology, not realizing that it's always good to have a backup plan, or maybe that would have caused more work. I don't know. But I, these are things that will never be known. Some of the most important things that transpire in the media, no one ever really knows what the hell happens because no one ever wants to get an answer and Actually, if you try to get an answer, you're more likely to get in trouble than you are to get actually get an, an honest response to anything. So it's just not worth it. Everyone just moves on and pretends it doesn't, doesn't happen. Well, in this particular case, there was massive collateral damage because once the technical issue was, quote unquote, fixed, I had to make a decision. OK, do I put Leah Brandon on the air or do I not? And she said she wanted to go on. And so I put her on knowing that there was no good scenario because I know her very well, like a, like a brother and a sister relationship. And even as well as I thought I knew her, even I was shocked by what she ended up doing. 
which was to blast me personally in both inaccurate and inappropriate ways for what had transpired off the air because I had gotten upset on the phone with her about why things were not prepared as I had been told they would be. Now, look, off the air, you can tell me anything you want, especially when you have the relationship that Lee and I had, having known each other through thick and thin for 12 years. Go ahead. Knock it. Knock yourself out. I can take it. But on the air, totally different situation. On the air, there's a completely different set of standards, or at least there should be. And I don't know whether it's, again, much like I got upset with her because I had confidence in our relationship that as a brother-sister, you can handle that kind of situation. Maybe similarly, maybe she just didn't think of it as on and air, off the air, on the air type of thing. Because numerous times in the last several months, she has said things on the air that I was stunned by, that I felt were inappropriate and were attacking me, not just inaccurately, but in a way that was just beyond the pale for a show that <laughs> where we're supposed to be co-hosts. But I was willing to give her slack because I realized it's an intense situation and when you're live on the air and it's real, you can't regulate all that. You just deal with it and you move on. But this was a completely different set of circumstances. She went after me in a way that was way beyond the pale, totally inappropriate given the circumstances and given the facts. And I just sat there and said, okay, okay, Leah, okay, Leah, okay, Leah, okay, Leah. That's all I said. I didn't attack back. I didn't even defend myself. I was basically in a state of shock that she was doing this on the air. And I think I basically said to her, so what do you want to do? And at that point, she quit the show. And I said, all right, have a good week. I don't even know if I, I I would think I was in such shock. I didn't even wish her a happy Thanksgiving because I I didn't even, even occur to me. It was Thanksgiving week. That's how stunned I was by the whole thing. Now, at that point, in my mind, she was quitting that show, like, you know, head to the showers. This just isn't going to work because we got a three-hour program to do, and you're not mentally prepared to do it. I'm not mentally prepared to have you do it. You know, let's just, you know, you're, she was scheduled to be off this week anyway for Thanksgiving, so let's just take it off and try to regroup. That was my mindset during the show. Now, I texted her during the show and said, Lee, I can't believe you did that on the air. That was inappropriate. She didn't respond. After the show, I said, look, I need to hear back from you because I need to figure out what's going on. Have you quit the show entirely? Are we going to go forward with this thing? What do I do? I need a response immediately. If I don't hear from you, I'm going to assume that you're just quitting the show entirely. I heard nothing from her the next morning. So then... In a last-ditch effort, I basically tried to be the, the guy to take the high road and eat the crap sandwich. I said, look, I don't want to do this after all this all we've been through. I want to at least have a conversation before we end this thing. And she basically told me to go pound sand. go to. She didn't say go to hell, but she might as well have, and expressed no desire to have a conversation at all. Now, to me especially under these circumstances, when someone doesn't want to talk about what happened, there's a reason why they don't want to talk about what happened. 
They would rather not talk about it because they're much more comfortable with the narrative that they've created in their head than what they might be forced to deal with if they actually know the full story and the facts. And to me, the essence of what transpired here is that Leah had no appreciation whatsoever for the position she was putting me in by not having the technical situation taken care of to where moments before the show, I had to go from having three hours planned one way to doing three hours all by myself with no outlet, no phone calls, no sound bites, no co-hosts, no news stories, no nothing with no preparation whatsoever. And as a broadcaster, she should have understood that that's putting somebody in an incredibly difficult, if not impossible situation that was at least in part because she didn't have it all together. And does, does that make her a bad person? No. Would that have been forgivable? Yes. But in my mind, what was not forgivable was doing what she did on the air, which then broke the trust. I mean, which I never thought was possible. I never thought it was even remotely possible that Leah Brandon and I would ever get into a situation where the trust was broken. But for me, the trust was broken. And I also think she was just looking for a way out. She's incredibly busy. She has a ton of stuff to deal with her horses. She works six days a week. She was having to sleep at the studio after doing the shows so she could make a little extra money working this show extra. And so I have great sympathy for that. But when you're looking for a way out of some situation, it's amazing how the mind can rationalize. And if you can find a way to give yourself the moral high ground, you're going to take it. So congratulations to Leah. If she was able to find a way that made her feel better about taking the moral high ground, then good for her. I wish her no ill will, but there's no way we can do the show together going forward. And that's, it's, that's very unfortunate. What's more unfortunate is that it's probably the end of the relationship. And I don't, I don't have close relationships with very many people at all. In fact, I've referred to her as one of my very few foxhole friends, people I've been in a foxhole with, and therefore, because of that, I feel like the relationship is stronger and worth far more than my relationship with other people. I think one of my miscalculations here was that over nine years of not being in the same city and barely ever seeing each other, that that bond had weakened. And with the pressure of what's going on in her life, the pressure of the Trump campaign, it finally snapped because of this stupid technical issue, which frankly, based upon what I can tell, happened because somebody made a lazy decision on this end and someone didn't know what switch to switch at that end. And because of that, one of the most important relationships in my life is broken and the future of this show is in jeopardy and will be obviously dramatically altered. That's how screwed up the world is. That's how messed up life is. That because somebody decides not to take a couple of extra seconds to make sure that the backup can work on one end and someone didn't make sure that they knew which switch to switch or someone had inadvertently switched the switch in the wrong direction on the other end, all sorts of catastrophic things occur. I'm sure this happens in all sorts of walks of life. Now, some of you might be saying, well, John, this would have happened otherwise without this. I actually don't think it would have. I think we were very close to being out of the woods. And I think if, if this technical situation had not occurred, 
Lee and I would be doing this show till the till however this program takes its course and however it ends. Whether that's this week, next week, next month, next year, next decade. Who knows? I truly believe that, and it is a shame. It is a crying shame on so many levels. Now, for the show, in the short run, it's a shame. In the long run, I don't know. I mean, today I had a very nice conversation with a very prominent uh, woman who is interested in in becoming the co-host of this show. We're hoping that we might be able to work that out, although judging from the technical problems we've been having, I'm not 100% sure we're going to be able to to get that uh, possibility off the ground. I'm hopeful, but as with most things, I'm awfully skeptical. So that's a possibility. I may just do the show by myself, or we might just end the show. I'm not really sure which. It's it's really uh, all three are very much possibilities at this point. And, you know, all of it's a shame because I, I really truly believe that with the election of Donald Trump, that this program has a more important and a unique format and platform that's more important than ever. Because there are almost no voices anywhere who are both conservative or conservative slash libertarian and who are willing to call out Donald Trump when he deserves to be called out. Because almost the entire conservative media industrial complex has taken a total dive now for Donald Trump, especially now that he's elected. There was a tiny portion that was willing to hold on to their integrity before he was elected. Now that he's elected, nobody is going to be remotely truth-based on, on talk radio or, for instance, on Fox News Channel. When, or on the Drudge Report or very rarely on Breitbart.com or any of the more prominent conservative news outlets, almost everybody's going to be as at least as in the tank for Trump as the left-wing media was for Obama. That's just the way it works now because no one wants to hear anything that's not consistent with what they already believe or what makes them feel good, and no one wants to believe that they got duped by Donald Trump. It is far, far easier to dupe people than to convince them that they have been duped. That is probably the number one thing I have learned in my adult life. And I've seen it time and time again, and this Trump story is number one. So in theory, the importance of this show has never been more significant. But in practice, I'm not sure where we're going. So with that said, I'll open it up to your questions for Ask John Anything, including, by the way, if you want to ask me a question about Leah Brandon, I I am an open book. There is no more honest talk show host in the country, if not the world, than me, for better or for worse, often for worse. And so whatever it is you're curious about, ask me via my Twitter feed, my Facebook page, or my email. You can find all of those at our website, www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. Welcome back. This is the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. My name is John 
Ziegler. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. Go there if you want to ask me any question because for the rest of the program I'll be intermixing the news of the week with Ask John Anything, which is one of my favorite features, even though I was once very prominently fired in Louisville, Kentucky for an episode that occurred during Ask John Anything. I ended up being sued and then ended up winning that lawsuit unanimously in court. But this is your chance to ask me anything uh, that you're curious about, whether it's uh, personal, has to do with the show, or regarding the news, as long as it's appropriate and it's uh, provocative, I will be happy to answer it on the air. Just go to freespeechbroadcasting.com and you can email me or you can uh, ask the question via Twitter or Facebook. My Facebook page is public. It's John Ziegler, of course. The first question uh, that I, I want to respond to uh, via my uh, Twitter is from uh, Burchill. And Burchill says, Zig, what do you think about Kellyanne Conway's reaction to a possible Mitt Romney pick, meaning Mitt Romney for Secretary of State? And how do you feel about Donald Trump considering Romney for Secretary of State? Well, interestingly, I have written an entire column about my thoughts on this, which you can find at freespeechbroadcasting.com. It's one of the uh, several columns I do on a weekly basis for the media criticism website, Mediate. And this is fascinating on a number of levels, this whole Romney situation. For those who missed it, over the last couple of days, Kellyanne Conway, who was Donald Trump's press, not well, she might be his press secretary, his president, but his campaign manager during the campaign, has really gone way out of her way to extraordinary and unprecedented lengths to torpedo Mitt Romney as a potential secretary of state. I mean, not just a little bit, not like a, you know, a very vague tweet or a retweet or something like that. She has been as direct as she can possibly be and was so again today on television, effectively saying that it would be a mistake for Trump to make Romney the Secretary of State and that many, many, many of his supporters would be profoundly disappointed if he made that decision. Newt Gingrich has acted similarly. Mike Huckabee has done the same. They all seem to be in the camp where they want their buddy Rudy Giuliani to be Secretary of State. Frankly, I think Rudy Giuliani would be a terrible Secretary of State. I'm not even sure if Rudy Giuliani still has all of his marbles, to be very frank with you. There were times during the campaign where he seemed completely out of it. He seemed to be someone who did not have all of his faculties. Not to mention that while he has an enormous amount of, I guess you would call it foreign experience, some of it is very negative foreign experience, where he's taken a lot of money from foreign governments, which I was told during the campaign was a disqualifier, at least when it came to Hillary Clinton and the Clinton Foundation it was. Well, Rudy has more direct conflict of interest because the money came to him directly as payment, not to his charity. So holy hypocrisy, Batman. But I realize in the era of Trump, hypocrisy means nothing. So Rudy, I think, is a bad choice. Romney, as Secretary of State, I think would be an excellent choice. I like Mitt Romney a lot. But there are several problems. The first, of course, is that Trump and Romney do not like each other. And it's not just a little bit. Now, you don't have to like somebody, but you at least have to respect them. And more importantly than even respect them, you have to understand what it is they believe and what it is they want. So how in the world is Mitt Romney going to possibly do that? Donald Trump doesn't know 
what he really believes when it comes to anything, foreign or domestic, but especially foreign where it's very complex and not in his bailiwick. So I don't know from a from a day-to-day operation standpoint, how does Mitt Romney possibly do that job? Now, there are those who believe that maybe this is an elaborate plot to further embarrass or humiliate Romney. I think this has gone on too far for that. I think if that was the case, we would have already seen Trump pull the football away like Lucy and the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving special. But this has gone on way too long, and too many cl- people close to Trump are going to far too great a lens to make sure it doesn't happen for it not to be real. See, if this wasn't real, they wouldn't bother Kellyanne Conway and Newt Gingrich and Mike Huckabee. They wouldn't bother. They're only doing this because they think that there's a very good chance Trump is going to do this. And while I think that Romney would be an excellent choice on paper, in practice, I don't see how it works. And in fact, if I was advising Trump and my concern was only about Trump, and maybe this is what's in the back of the mind of Kellyanne Conway, I would be very wary of giving Mitt Romney the power to destroy my presidency because Romney's the kind of guy, if I did something wrong, or he would resign. He's got nothing to lose. He's old and rich. And most of the public and all of the press would side with him. So why would I give that kind of a weapon to a guy who knows I'm a fraud? Politically, that makes no sense. I'll have some more thoughts on this, and I'll also answer more of your Ask John Anything questions via our website, freespeechbroadcasting.com. In the next hour, my name's John Ziegler. John Ziegler.